0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Verzeal. This is a show where we get to talk about sports, we get to talk about business, and we get to talk about everything in between however you're listening, wherever you're listening, why ever you're listening. I only ask you to do one thing, like and subscribe, five-star review. Technically, it's three, but like they're all the same thing. So that's all I'm asking you, the listener, to do. Also, enjoy this conversation because today, my incredible guest, I have Andrew Stevens. He's the founder and director of Sports Drink. Andrew, how you doing today, man?
1: I'm doing well. Um, while I don't want to devalue the quality of the show. I think I'm probably about a. You might be a five star host. I'm about a three star guest, though. So, well, uh,
0: thank you. Start right. We'll be great. We'll be grateful for that. So, thank you. I like to think of myself as a five star host. Um, in terms of guests, I mean, I have had Richard Jefferson on the show. So, like, if he's five star and you're three star, oh, wow. that's still if, pretty incredible. right? I was about
1: to say, if you've had if if Richard Jefferson's a five star, I'm somewhere between a negative. 40 and 45. We already
0: established you're a three star and he's a five star. So I like, honestly, I like those odds for you, man. That's really not that bad.
1: I think so. I uh, I, I think that um, I was probably a one-star high school basketball player in my year and a half of, of competition. But um, that's why uh, that's why we talk about what, what did they say on School of Rock, those who can't do teach, those who can't teach, teach gym. And so I think I'm on the, the media equivalent side of that.
0: I love it, man. Well, you're doing some cool stuff, and I'm excited to jump into it a little bit. But, Andrew, uh, of course, I mean, this is the For the Love of Sports podcast. So the first question I have for everybody on the for the love of sports podcast is why do you love sports so much so um why
1: i don't know but i can definitely tell you how i came to love sports if you will um my my dad grew up he was or my dad basketball coach or basketball is kind of the through line in my family um my dad is six seven me and my brothers are all six eight and so it's definitely uh certainly helps there but um we didn't have cable growing up and i still something my i I chide my parents and i mean i'm not that I, i i am 28 and so this was like we did not have cable in like 2000 um and the reason we got it was my dad uh he has a november late november birthday and he was having his 50th birthday party um and we're from baton rouge and lsu and georgia were playing in the sec championship and he was like i can't have people over for this party if they don't have the ability to watch the game and so they got a night they they had like a 15 inch tv that they would wheel out of their closet with an antenna but they got a real tv um and they got a cable hookup and after a month they forgot to cancel it and so after that we were probably i was probably in like fifth grade and i was like you know you can't go back like you can't just give a kid who loves sports cable and then take that away from them i had never had espn before but because of that me and my two younger brothers, literally the reason we would get up in the morning was whoever got up first got to read the sports section. And so like, it was easy for my mom to get us all up in the morning because sprinting there had to get to the sports section, had to see whatever LSU deluge was going on usually. But that is, that's certainly how I got to love sports.
0: That is a shout out your mom. That is Uh such an awesome story um and if i ever have three you you two brothers yeah Yeah, if i ever have three kids which god help me i do not um yeah i'll uh, i'll make sure to keep that one in the back pocket just in case uh definitely keep that one in the back pocket yeah i didn't have cartoon network growing up and i thought that was bad so i'm going to not tell you that story and say (laughs) that is an awesome i love the awareness from your dad there Totally knowing that, too. Like, hey, they're probably just not even going to come to the party. Like, let's mm-hmm. give them something. And who of us hasn't just forgotten to cancel a subscription at this point in our lives? So I'm not too surprised by any of that.
1: And it really, like, to to paint a picture, my, my dad, huge sports head, but, I mean, one of the biggest nerds that I know, God love him. His as opposed to bringing presents, he said, "I want you to bring me your favorite book." And so this was a man who is receiving about fifty books at this party. And we were saying, "Ralph, you, you got to have the SEC championship on." I'm I'm sorry, they they got to see it. Um, but awesome. funny, funnily enough, I was from Baton Rouge and then went to Georgia, and so LSU and Georgia played in that game. And so, um, but that was sort of that that sort of um, I guess transitioning if i I don't mean to run your show here by any means um but this is your show
0: man i'm just here to ask questions
1: the uh the georgia was sort of how um i got into i guess the the formal media side of things um that that was sort of the next
0: hop what was it like what why why did you choose that path like all you did was read the sports section like where where was the media that you were like this is really cool i want to do more of this
1: so um i i mean as I, i don't think um Alone here, but absolutely no idea what I I'd want. Wanted when I, I wanted to drink when I went to college. I wanted to be away from my parents. Um, I, I think I was looking for the the freedom more than anything. But I was just a bad student, and I didn't know. Like I, I I was not smart enough to get into the business school. I could I could lie and be like my journalism was my passion forever. But it was it, it's something that I definitely wanted to do. But it was quite frankly, I didn't. I, I couldn't have gotten into the business school after my performance after the first couple of semesters in college. And so I was like. I've always wanted to do media. I'm interested in writing. Um, And I think that the issue and which is sort of the reason that I'm in the career path that I'm in today is um, I I was too behind on it. Like I got there and they were, I was like, I will cover anything. I will cover the equestrian team. Like, just let, like, let me cover something on the sports side of things. Like I have a knowledge in it. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to work. Um, But they were kind of like, people have been doing this for two years as freshmen and sophomores to basically try and get these opportunities with student papers and whatnot. And so I was like, well, if if I'm trying to be in sports journalism and I don't have any access to journal about sports, if you will, or cover sports, like I got to do something on my own. And so the blog that we started at the time was the armchair, all Americans, where we were basically like, we are college students, we are trying to cover college sports from a college perspective. And so it started off on sort of a WordPress blog um, where I don't believe it now, but I pontificated that the 2015, um, near undefeated Kentucky Wildcats could have beat it, beaten the 2015, 1072 76ers. Um, granted could have never happened, but Carl Anthony towns, Devin Booker, it was a fun team. Um, but anyways, the, uh, the, I, I started doing that and it really sort of got uh, it got pinpointed it was i mean a, a wordpress blog so it was the armchair if anyone still wants to go type in that mouthful um but from there we i started i started doing a lot of georgia football stuff and so our model at the time was people at lsu friends from home alabama texas whatever trying to cover um their college as locally as as we could and we didn't have press access we didn't have anything but um we were trying to cover it i mean sort of similar to the way that sb nation and kind of that it was very blogging um esque. we didn't realize that we were 10 plus years behind on being able to monetize the blogging world but um, I started doing Georgia football stuff and the publisher of at the time the scout.com Georgia page kind of approached me and he was like, I've seen some of your stuff on message boards. I've seen sort of um, and it was a lot more sort of first person opinionated writing just because that's sort of my writing style is. i'm I'm not necessarily the, I'm going to source quotes and i'm going to sort of like present this as objective because i'm not objective about i've I've cried after the national championship i'm not an objective georgia sports fan and so i didn't cover it necessarily um objectively and so i i I didn't try to be what what we called it was um informed um subjectivity if you will um or passionate objectivity it was sort of those were kind of the two um things that the the tent poles and so after that um for my last two years at georgia i covered the beat um there and so i did i was for the entire um it was the very end of the mark rick era so rick's last year and then kirby smart's first year um and so it was cool to kind of see the transition and the way that the two staffs approached media um sort of establishing um and it was my last year at georgia which was kirby's first year which um bummed me out a little bit just because um It was his first year there. I felt like I was establishing a good rapport with him and then ended up graduating and going on to do other stuff. Um, And so that was the uh, the original sort of conceit of what we were trying to do in the media world. It was as peer to peer as we could get. And then we sort of some people sort of started making inroads in larger publications. um, And then we sort of continued, graduated, um, moved back to our homes and sort of tried to figure it out more remotely.
0: That is awesome. And I think that's a couple pieces of that story that I want to touch upon. The, the most important, right? As you said, you're already two years into this thing and you're unable to get those beats. So, what'd you do? You went and did it on your own. And I think sports is an industry that's so interesting that if you're not doing something, you're not going to get paid. They're not going to pay you to do something you've never done. Why, why? There's too many people that have done this for free for too long, for better or for worse. Uh, but then there's also just passionate people like yourself that said, well, I want to do this. So. I'm just gonna do it and we'll see what happens and i think as you said you're like 10 years give or take behind on actually being able to monetize (laughs) blogging right but you've gotten to the point where you understand where that monetization has went which is podcasts and everything so we'll get to that in a second but i think that's just such an awesome way way of thinking about it and even from the the editorial aspect of it as you said it's very opinionated well that's all that really gets clicks now anyway. It's just screaming mm-hmm. A. Smith, screaming about some yep. shit. and like, okay, that's about it. So, like, for whatever reason people love that, I personally cannot stand it. Mm-hmm. I hate that stuff, but to each his own. Who the hell am I to say, you know, what you should like or you shouldn't? So I think it's really interesting that you were able to take advantage of it and then quickly turn that around into getting on the beat. So was the beat through your school or was it through just how, how big the site, the armchair, armchair got on its own? So
1: it was it was interesting just because our goal was we were trying to basically cover the breadth of college sports. And then as that started happening, um, the opportunity to section off into pro sports or like the the um, like very weirdly our biggest sort of uh, we, we figured out an SEO hack. And we were one of the bigger esports publishers for a while, just because. And so we, there, there were a lot of different iterations, and it was sort of branded as Armchair Esports, Armchair Georgia, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And so um, we, what we really, um, what we, we had a couple of people based on the, I guess, different tranches of access, if you will. And so um, just, I, I don't know how it happened but i was able to connect and sort of still some good friends to this day that that used to play at georgia when i was there and so um it was never really official reporting but it was all very good contextual and sourced mm-hmm. stuff and so people um i think understood that they they knew that i was plugged in but it was also not somebody that was going to traditionally be um in the actual interview room and i think that one of the, the i guess my old boss a friend to this day dean Leggy. Um, I think he kind of saw that and he runs now, it it used to be a scout.com and then Scout was bought by 247 and then he has since gone independent. But essentially, um, he was basically like, I if you want to intern for me, like I am looking for basically like an assistant producer on everything. So I co-hosted a podcast with him. I did some writing. um, I I covered the beat on the games, sometimes in the press box as sort of like social media, taking notes, interviews, sometimes on the field doing photos. Um, And so it was a really, really good. I I don't think I would be here to this day without sort of the context and the experience in that, because I think that there is a part of me that had I not had it, I would have always been seeking the legitimacy of that and being able to be in there at that age. And probably as a 21 year old or so, I was able to sort of see like, this is cool. And I like this, but it's not for me. Like, this is not the way that like, I think I can cover sports, um, as a fan All my-. and it's not necessarily as a fan, but it was more like I don't want to be in the press box for a Georgia game. I want to be in the stands for a Georgia game. And I don't need to go interview Kirby smart after the game to be able to put together a piece of content on it, because I don't like, and we have learned this sort of over the last half decade and decade in production of content is like, we're not big enough to break news. And so we don't need to be busting our butts and stressing over what's going on during a game, because where we are going to lie is, people want to hear more of our opinion than the reporting of facts, because they can go to the athletic, they can go to ESPN, they can go to these established entities with these established SID connections and athletic director connections and whatnot. Um, and so I think that we, what we did do a good job of early on was saying, we're not newsbreakers where we are going to function in this, at, like, like we are going to carve out our niche as content creators. And I think that um, that was something that we didn't like, it's it sort of gotten cheapened. I, I would say that it's sort of become a buzzword synergy content creators, all of these network community, these are all the buzzwords today. Um, but I think that the, the big thing that we tried to do back then was like, let's let's create content around this. It, it's not breaking news. It's not anything but like, let's just get our thoughts out there about a particular topic.
0: Well, it's voice of the people, right? Like you're mm-hmm. you're a fan of Georgia. And what do yeah. fans of Georgia wanna to listen to? They wanna talk they want to listen to fans that are just a little bit smarter than they are yeah, about wrong. the topics. So that way they can kind of either justify what they're thinking or hopefully think in a better way. Like I don't know why it took so long for people to understand that like fans are fans and they wanna to listen to fans talk about their fandom. It's not like mm-hmm. that's not rocket science and I mean I I'd, I'd say barstool does a very good job at it, right? I'm just at a very high scale and mm-hmm. and the opportunity is, right? So you you have you're talking about Georgia football, but man, when Georgia football loses a game, does that Alabama fan want to fucking listen to what you guys went through, right? Like it, it's all that whole aspect of it too where you know, you can bask in the glory with someone else or you can wallow in the sorrow and people want to know that they're not the only one going through it. Yeah, I have a text chain with my friends who are Giants fans. But I also listen to this podcast and that podcast about everything else, because maybe they could break the game down just a little bit better. Maybe they just make me a little bit smarter. So when I go back to that text chain, I can say, well, you know, guys, what I really noticed, right? Like it's not, it's not rocket science, but it's something that we all do as fans and we've all been kind of looking for. And I think, as you said, the last half decade, seven ish years has really given us as just fans more of that to listen to and consume.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. like the, I would say my uh, the the villain origin story if you will or like the moment the the moment of like all right this is not what i want to do was the georgia was playing tennessee and i think it was like it was beginning of october so sort of the season is is maybe week five or six and if if people are college football fans i'm sure that they'll remember this georgia throws a hail mary with 15 seconds left to go up i want to say four or something and then they mess up the kickoff and Tennessee ends up with one shot from midfield to throw a hail Mary to win the game. They complete the pass. And this is like, like two touchdowns within the last 15 seconds. Like people are apoplectic in the stadium. And I'm like, literally like near in the fetal position in the press box. And there are like all of these other career beat media people that are like, ho home, I'm going to go file my story, get my interview. And I'm like, what is wrong with like, y'all are yep. like, this is a job. And it's like, I understand if you do anything for 30 years and you're put on deadline and you do these things and you have bosses and whatnot that can be strict, like it does then turn into a job. But it was like, y'all have the best job in the world. You're in a 90,000 seat college football stadium covering like a nationally televised game that like the team that you theoretically like have a a real tangible Advantage cheering for if Georgia goes to the national championship, that elevates your brand as a as a reporter. I don't know why you are not tied into this team succeeding, and that was really one of just like like I I really was like one of two or three people out of fifty or sixty person press box. It felt like that was like visibly upset, and I know no emotion, no cheering, none of this in the press box. But that was when I was like why like what like you, there there are 40 people in here that are wearing red and black shirts without Georgia logos on it who are who do we think we are actually supporting here and so that was one of those things i was like okay like maybe i do want to try and do things a little bit differently and that was where um i'm very appreciative of my, my former boss of like my, the, the show that I, I did a daily Facebook live show and it was called the Andrew Stevens show. And it was like a call in sort of live thing. And the, the hashtag was hashtag ask the ass because the Andrew huh. Stevens show. And so it was like, we, we tried to do it a little bit. I mean, very dumb, very stupid, but like those were the, the that was the angle that we tried to cover sort of Georgia football and SEC football from. Um, and I think where we were able to find some of, our like you mentioned barstool earlier it's we try to delineate where we can from them just because i I know that um the blogging world they are they have sort of um calcified it and they have done an extremely good job scaling it but i do also think that like um there is an element too of uh, a little bit too rah-rah for us sometimes and but i think the bigger thing is Every media company these days has been headquartered, it feels like out of three markets or anyone that tries to do anything on a national scale, you're either in New York, you're either in LA or you're in the Bay Area of some sort and like, we are headquartered out of New Orleans, Louisiana. And so it doesn't make much sense. But it's also like, this is where we're from, we built sort of like, like we, um, like we, we, we made our bones on sec football coverage and so like going outside while we we cover outside of the college footprint we are in the action sports world now um that that home footprint is something that we have wanted to do things differently we want to be dumb rednecks where we can we want to be idiot cajuns where we can and so i think that highlighting some of that those personalities that you're just not going to get from a New York-based media company or an LA-based media company um, is something that, as opposed to a a disadvantage, we try and relish.
0: And I think I have a note written here. I usually don't use my notes. I usually just kind of write them just so I have them. Mm -hmm. But I literally have a note. I said, niche versus general. And that was going to be something that we talk about when we do get to sports drink a little bit. But we're not quite there yet. So just don't forget that, if you don't mind. I'll I'll ask that question and hope you answer it in like 20 minutes. Absolutely. Um, I totally agree with you, though. No clapping in the press box. Like, what? I just don't understand it. It's it's one thing if it's like the Super Bowl. Okay. Like, if it's mm-hmm. not like a hometown reporter and it's just like those ESPN or CBS guys and they're just kind of reporting, it's still cool, right? Like, yeah. I watch football. And, and you just described that last 15 seconds. I honestly do not remember that. But while you were describing it, I kind of started to judge him and be like, wow, in like two months, I get to watch a college football game where – I, I have the most ties to professional football I'm a big Giants fan but college football is my favorite sport because I love chaos and that's all college football is it's the most chaos you can have on a, on on a field in any capacity and I relish in all of it for four hours and then I do it again right after that four hours is over I watch the next four hour game yep. and I love every second of it so I really appreciate you just giving me that like touch of what I need again in my life which is college football but I never understood no clapping in the press box. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I think it's important, as you said, that you had that experience because now you know, like, wait, like this is totally not for me. I'm very appreciative and grateful, as you said, of the opportunity. And it's extremely important. But knowing like, hey, I'm not going to go that route. There's so much something so, so, so much better for me. I think that is absolutely fantastic. So I am curious, like, as you said, as everyone kind of went home, you still kind of kept the coverage a little remote. Like, how does that work, right? It's probably very easy when everyone's together and everyone's, doing everything and it's, hey, did you get this? And you can kind of just point to someone or text them and be like, hey, I need this tomorrow. I'll see you again later tonight kind of thing. What was it then like when everything kind of started to spread out? How much more difficult did it become to keep everything as close together as it was?
1: Yeah, I think that that's I feel like um, as I've talked to a lot of people in media, there is Um, They're sort of the founding and then what what is it feels more like a reorganization process somewhere in the middle is what almost is the seed for um, just because like there have been far too many ebbs and we started this when we were 20 years old in college and so there are just too many things that pop up over the course of seven or eight years that it's like it, it hasn't been almost, I, I would say, one contiguous story, if you will, because um, so I finished up at Georgia in 2017. And then most of the people were year ahead, year behind or, or within two years. And so um, people were it was sort of getting into the real life stuff like I was um, at the time. I mean, I was still running armchair, but I was also opening up to the idea of like, all right, I'm, I'm moving. I was moving. I moved to Bat, back to Baton Rouge because I had a job as like the marketing coordinator for a new brewery there. And so it was like a, something that was not like in my wheelhouse, but it was a cool job. It was something that paid the bills. And so um, that was something that I was like, all right, I'm going to keep doing this because we can do it remotely. But it, it, We had to figure out a different way to operate because the like the ethos of what we were doing and now granted we didn't think about this when we were planning the thing because it was very seat of our pants but we were like we want to be college kids covering college sports from college towns and that was sort of the the thought process and it was like well shit, none of us are in these college towns anymore it's kind of hypocritical if like the person who's coordinating all of the alabama coverage is in new york now and the person coordinating the georgia coverage is in baton rouge and so um what we that was where we had started figuring out like okay we need a post writing setup for this and so we really spent the second half of 2017 first half of 2018 in a limbo phase of okay what do we do we we think we we know there's a progression into podcasting but we're all like traditional journalism backgrounds how do we 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 aren't necessarily media we're not video editors how do we get this thing Um, and then I sort of hit a point where I was like, we gotta, we gotta rip the mandate off. Like I I was, I was basically like, we are not making enough money and we are putting so much effort onto the writing side of things that we have to figure out what the podcasting might look like. And so essentially we pivoted and, or not pivoted, but we took the exact same model and we said, all right, we will do it with podcasting. And with podcasting, What we were able to do then was you could bring together a collection of people and you didn't necessarily have to have all of them in the same location. And so if we had a three person podcast, I could be in Georgia or I could be in Louisiana, we could have somebody in Athens. And so we still get that local feel, but we're able to, um, shift a content medium into clearly where, where the the industry was progressing.
0: Why did the industry progress to podcasts? Like what, and video now, why is there so, I guess. Yeah, can you explain? Can you explain yeah. like the ads and the economy of why writing gives you absolutely nothing but a podcast mm-hmm. or a video? People can become millionaires.
1: It's because it's as I'm sure you have people like this. I'm sure you have followers of this podcast that like know your dog's name. They know who you're a fan of. They know she, a lot. They, it, that's Mets, a great. Dog. The Met stadium. That's stadium, Yeah, that's a great. Super dog. cute, right? Yeah. She's the best. Yeah. I was about to say it, it would be naming it. Naming her city would that doesn't have the, the our the cat's same... name. City. We have a cat. Named no city. way. Okay, yeah, 100%. Okay, <laughs> no shit. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's yeah, amazing. Yeah.
0: City sucks. Well, he's kind of cool, but like, <laughs> not nearly as cool as Shay. So like, Reper- it's
1: representative of the names, yeah, or of the stadium. Yeah, hey, man, uh, doing it all. Okay, so that's that's amazing. But um, the, uh, wait, what was, uh, I'm sorry, I just got. I'm bored. sorry,
0: uh, can you explain the, can you tell me what your dog, no. Um, the, yeah, you, oh, <laughs> oh
1: ad, the ad model. Okay, yeah, yes. Thank you. So, so if like, if we're cutting a, the, the primary way that we made money on a website, and so that that's going to be the generator of us writing content is going to be banner ads, and it's going to be sort of pre, pre-roll video ads that may run. And so we had a video publisher that we contracted with that basically had highlights and they had this algorithm to where we would put in this video player. And if it were a Mets article um, based on the geotag or the tags on the back end of it, a Mets related video would be the one that popped up. And so it was a way for us to have some some relatively interesting content. We didn't own the rights of it, but it was able to monetize on top of our site. The problem is those really aren't engaging. If you come to our site and you want to watch or, or listen to not listen to a read a Mets analysis or a Mets breakdown or a a post-game or a pre-gamer you probably don't care about watching an ad and then sitting through a video from a publisher that you're not familiar with and you also are going to scroll through the my bookie ad or the the docker shoes ad that's sitting in the middle of that article within literally like microseconds if not having an ad blocker that is already sort of set up to where you don't even see that and with the podcasting the ability to get in front of, I mean, as you know, all of like a lot of the standard metrics are going to be defined as per thousand sort of audiences. And so you're going to pay a rate per getting in front of a thousand eyeballs or a thousand ears or whatever. And so to pay to get in front of a thousand eyeballs on, on your computer, people like the, the, the model of the banner ad industry is we have just so we, we have decided that it is spam and that it is not something of value. And so we dismiss it whole hand. No one clicks on banner ads and then goes and buys a product. And so these advertisers and these brands have absolutely no interest in spending money to put on these websites. But on a podcast, I can sit here for an hour and or a minute and a half and I can work in a, a, a I i don't mean to say a uh, a manscaped read or a shaver or an athletic greens or a uh, who, whoever this might be athletic greens our current sponsor
0: i'm giving nice. them some
1: some love what's the right code?
0: now what's the code uh, for people uh,
1: uh athleticgreens.com i think it's just slash sports drink it's just a, okay, a backlink on the on the site but um but in, but those are ways where you can mention it at the top you can do a formal ad read in the middle it can be just natively incorporated through the show and because content can sort of be interspersed without it people aren't as um as just off the top going to skip it get through now granted if you have and this is why when we do a lot of our ads we say we want to work with brands that understand who they are working with because we are somebody that like this isn't going to be the traditional reporter type um sort of podcast and we want it to be as natively worked in because if you hear in a lot of shows if you hear an ad break people are going 15 second ahead 15 second ahead 15 second ahead until they hear the host voice again but if you're working it natively in to a show and it's sort of hey promo code whatever or we're sponsored by ebay or whoever we're sponsored by it then just registers over and over again in this listener's mind and then if they need to go buy a pair of shoes it's like shit okay ebay like like it's 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 a lot of times a much longer play on some of these things uh for these brands that's why they're doing 13 26 52 week campaigns
0: and and that makes sense i appreciate you explaining it i kind of knew most of that i mean who actually looks at banner ads anymore mm-hmm. sincerely like banner ads were huge in like 1998 yep and you know we're in 2022 so clearly like do, do you read? If you're not in the passenger seat, are you reading the billboards on the side of the road? Like Exactly. No, probably not. It's literally the exact same thing. So it's, it's 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 a very interesting conversation to have because, again, you've had to figure that out and then navigate that area, as you said, in a way that, hey, we need to make money. Like It's cool yeah. if we love what we do, but if you don't make any money doing it, who the hell cares? Because you're not going to be doing it for too much longer. How do you then start to build this right as you said everyone's from a traditional media background we all love writing we've all done this from a a writing background how do you then just say hey everybody like i hope you want to talk for an hour you know three times a week now who's excited like how do you how do you get the whole team to rally around that understanding that most of them probably just want to continue to write but you're like well we need to make money too yeah
1: so it it, it did end up functioning where some of those ebbs and flows like i was talking about earlier we were we were in sort of a period where it's like the writing stuff since we're not all in the same location and we're not in college anymore is just like we are not invested in this enough because i think that we all saw like this isn't generating enough revenue for us to like actually sink our teeth into this and do this long term and so it wasn't necessarily the hardest conversation in the world it was more of a natural like if we want to keep doing this what is the next step how do we keep How do we keep sort of getting our voice out there? How do we create a sustainable media model? And where we had started was we took some of the local writers who had seen success. And we said, let's try to have you hop on a mic. And it was one of those where it's like, if you wanna keep writing, we will still offer editorial support. The website will still be up there. Um, it, it's still going to be something that you can put your effort into if you want, but we are just going to no longer be able to like provide as many back-end resources because our limited hours need to be allocated towards figuring out the audio side of things, figuring out the, the monetization side of that. Um, but we took some of those local shows, and some of them we, we still work with today, of let's try and get you recording let's see how it goes and then from there we started contracting and we, we figured out that it's a lot easier to add an established podcast than it is to add just an established or, or a freelance writer from somewhere just because their recording schedule is down their editing schedule is down they seem to have a flow as opposed to someone that says I have a journalism background I have writing capabilities there are sort of um everything under the sun that they might what their appetite for actually writing might be you can generally go to a podcast and say they've recorded every week for the last 30 weeks this seems like this is something that they may want to do and so um the combination of that sort of i guess organic original content paired with the ability for us to go out and start adding new shows um i think was where the scale sort of started to come in and this was um definitely not the beginning of networks by any means but it was still at the point where um there was a lot more i guess free agency and sort of territory to grab and so you could go to someone with um and we can get into this later i think that there is um sort of uh moving into an anti-network push and so there is a lot more sort of availability out there that i'll that i'll sort of touch on in a little bit but i think that um when you could go to someone and you could say, hey, we have six SEC like sports shows, you are an SEC show, you can have like, you can ping off all of these people if y'all are like about to play them in a particular sport, you can do sort of social media, little bets and riffs and whatnot. And so um, I think that, that the, the original appeal started under people saying, oh shit, we can like bounce ideas off from a network and their monetization capabilities there. And so I think that that was where um, we had really seen people are taking to this. Like we have a cohesive enough brand and package here with the sort of over-the-top branding and with the shows that are on the network now um, that we, we really can sort of start going out and reaching people on the local side of things.
0: And it's an aggregate, right? So you have those six shows, you add a seventh, yet an eighth, yet a 10th. Now you have all these listeners, right? It's not just yep. one show going to Athletic Green saying, hey, I have, you know, thousand listeners an episode yep. it's no well we have 10 different shows that are all that kind of listened by the same people just in different spots of the country and combined that's 10,000 now it's the exact same number one-to-one but at the same time there's just the the scale to that is significantly more important because then that allows you to you know work with all of these brands allow these guys to make some money guys and girls to make some money and allows you guys to secure even more sponsorships because of course after you get one you get two how how do you look at the, um, uh, well, actually it's only been 14 minutes. So I'll ask my question. Now the niche verse being very general, right? You could probably go mm-hmm. out and find some shows that are just big, but like they're about sports, like, okay, yeah. cool. Like, that's great. Like, how do you, where is that line of delineation? Where do you say like, Hey, we actually, we're trying to get more granular with the content, with the, the specificity of the content rather than this person that just talks about football on Sundays. Cause anybody can do that. That's pretty easy.
1: Yeah. So the um I don't I, I don't know the exact number and so I don't want to be specifically quoted on this, but I think there's about two million podcasts in production in existence. And wow. after after you get past episode ten, there is some like precipitous drop off in terms of like I mean it it, it might be ninety percent of shows don't make it to episode ten or something like that. And what it's shown us in a lot of that is if you don't resonate relatively quickly, you are going to stop doing what you are going to do because quite frankly, or even if it's a more larger established show, um, there, if it's a large established show, they're probably, I mean, if we're being honest, too big to work with us right now, just because if you have established a national, just we're a sports show, you probably are in connection with one of the bigger network Fox sports and ESPN barstool, mm-hmm. the athletic, something like that. Um, But if you are going to try and start, quote-unquote, a general sports show, you're going to burn out on it because there just aren't going to – people are going to go listen to Dan Levitard, and people are going to go listen to Pardon My Take, and people are going to listen to Bill Simmons and all of these different outlets that have the ability to get big guests, that have crazy stories in their past, that aren't really just like one guy in a microphone who wants to talk about sports. But the real niche part of things is like, there may not be somebody that is like, we're we're about to start a name image and likeness podcast, like around, oh, yeah. around college NIL. And someone came us, came to us with a pitch on it. And they were like, I think we, and it's with it with a lawyer specifically in the NIL space, based out of Columbus, Ohio. And he's like, I think I can build the biggest NIL podcast out there. And we were like, I actually think that this could be possible because NIL on, on July 1st, that that'll be one year that the legislation will have gone into effect. And like, there really is not that it's touched on on college football shows. It's touched on on national media, but there isn't really one show that says these deals were signed this week. This is what happened. I'm talking to um, X, Y, and Z athlete, media member, sports information director, what it might be on what the future of this industry looks like. And there was somebody else sort of to to just um give a a context on who like the shows that we try and green light on our end then there was another show with a personality bigger than this person who we were launching this podcast with that said i want to start an nba podcast and i'm going to start the biggest nba podcast in the world and i just quite frankly said no you're not like like i i appreciate the like and because what they were asking for was studio space, production crew, like they wanted in-person interviews, and it was like, you do, you have a platform, and I do think that this could, like, it could get your name out there further than it already is, but this is not something that, like, all the smoke exists, knuckleheads exist, Zach Lowe's podcast exists, like, there are shows right now that have been in production for a half decade, a decade, that have the moment it hits the RSS feed, 500,000 people are downloading it. And so I know that you of all people know what it's like to just, I mean, your show is something that is extremely established. It um, outside of myself has very high quality guests. Like it is something that is well-produced and like you see how much of a grind it is like just, just to be able to get this stuff set up and edited and produced. And so um, I think that that is one thing that we saw is the ability to someone like yourself, like the, the I like the, the niche of this podcast, like you were talking to um, founders, and you were talking to people that are either sort of sort of breaking in or in on the sports media sports business side of things. And so I think finding those sort of lanes where people can double down on their strengths and try and touch on something that while we like our biggest phrase is big fish, small pond, like we want we want to be We would rather start the biggest New York Liberty podcast than the 15th biggest New York Knicks podcast, just because those are the markets where we think that we can command more of the market share in.
0: And you have the opportunity to become that show that in five, 10 years does Mm -hmm. have those downloads when it hits the RSS feed. And I do appreciate the kind words. Thank you for those. (laughs) I'm also curious. I have, when you were saying that statistic about a number of episodes that makes it like to number 10. I have seen those statistics. It is something, yeah, like 75, 80% of shows don't make mm-hmm. it to episode 10 or past episode 10 whatever it is. Now I have a homework for you, Andrew. How many shows make it to 310 because you are the 311th show wow. I, that I li- had on this show. So, this episode. That's unbelievable.
1: I, I I mean, one one Thank congrats you. to you, um but that is something that like the the big, we literally tell people there are Two things that the podcasting industry, like that, that is successful in the podcasting industry, reach and consistency. And like those are, those are literally the only two. And one thing we say is like, what we are trying to do, we will do all we can to help you with reach. Like we will try and produce this show. We will try and help you book guests. We will try and do what we can. Your job is to be consistent because to have a podcast, and this is something that I think you know religiously, is it needs to come out on the same day each week because there are people who...
0: I don't you do can, that.
1: Oh, you don't do that?
0: I just record, and whenever I record, the episode yeah really? Your, your episode is coming out tomorrow. It's uh, June 22nd. I just I, I just do this for fun. So it's the, the consistency is there the days of the 100%, 100%.
1: week.
0: 100%. It's just kind of just comes out. It's all evergreen anyway, so if they want to see that, it, they'll see it.
1: And I think that the, the, the concept of the way that we typically do it is like we're dealing with a lot of local sports podcasts. And so if you're starting a a, a Kansas yeah. Jayhawks podcast, it's like you can't just release whenever because the Kansas Jayhawk news on Friday is the, the news from Tuesday is going to be irrelevant. And so that's where we say like. It, if it's coming out at 6 a.m. every Tuesday, it needs to come out every... We say, like, you can you can produce the show and it it can release at 11.59 on Saturday night if you want it because people can listen to it whenever they want to, but it just has to come out at the same time each week is basically what we say because they're, they're, you're just not going to become someone's favorite show if they go to their, their library and your show isn't in there when they're expecting it to. And that's what our goal is. We want to make your favorite show. That's the... the we, we, whatever it is, we want to try and produce your favorite show.
0: I love that. And the reason for it, I, I did, I used to do that where it was every Tuesday and every Thursday or whatever, mm-hmm. every Wednesday and every Friday, an episode would come out. And then it got to the point where it was like, well, that means I can't like, either I can't record on... Wednesdays then because then yeah. uh, the show can't come out on Thursday and I don't like holding shows because I found when it ter- comes to guests like the longer you hold a show the less the guest cares that they were even on the show Completely. so if you don't get it out immediately like after a week I've seen like the response rate just to my email saying hey thanks for coming on drops an insane amount and yep. if it's not so it's like I understand, I'm not doing this to make money. I do this stuff for fun. And we'll see what happens in the future. If there is something there, man, of course. I'm going to be extremely grateful for it. Mm-hmm. But I'm not stopping doing this. And like, hey, if I'm like, I'm going on vacation next week. Sorry, everybody. Not going to have an episode for yeah. you next week. But like, I recorded three this week and four the week prior to that. So if you really don't have enough content to listen to me from, there's another 300 episodes you can go back to because I can almost guarantee you haven't listened to all of them. And there's some <laughs> cool guests back there. So, no, I totally agree with you on that sense. Like, I, I listen to part of my take. It's like... Mm-hmm. One of the only shows that I listen to every single day it comes out, the only one I didn't listen to, and this is the only one I haven't listened to since I started listening to them. Uh, I'm a big Duke Blue Devils fan, and I could not listen to the episode after uh, Duke lost to UNC in the Final Four because it hurt too much for me as a fan to watch that happen, and I saw some clips, and I, I knew I couldn't do it. I was like, I'm just going to skip this one. We'll just move on. And thankfully, it hasn't been too terrible since. But that was the only one I haven't listened to. But I totally agree. Every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm listening to part of my take. Yep. Like, that's that's it what it is. The one show I will say and and give you maybe not pushback on, but would say Zach Lowe. I don't like the NBA, but I love Zach Lowe. So I listen uh-huh. to everyone he puts out. And they're all just all over the place. Yeah, it's, they're all, and all over the place. just any day, Monday through Friday, because it's just, is there big news that dropped? Is there a cool guest that came on? So that's another one that's really interesting where he's, been able to again been doing it for so long exactly that the listeners are like okay like i'm just kind of kind of crossing my fingers and hoping a new episode comes out like that's kind of like the the surprise the mystery of it all um which i think is just kind of interesting as well but no it's it's uh it's reach consistency i'm consistent about recording i'll tell you that much oh yeah 300 300 episodes over three years that's not bad that's not bad numbers andrew i think we're getting somewhere that's pretty um, impressive no No,
1: and i think the um I think that like, like the the Zach Lowe point is, is I think very prescient just because yeah, once, once you get to a certain point, you've got your, you've got your, your audience sort of in in a stranglehold. It's like, you need to listen to me. You want to listen to me. You will consume the content when it's on my schedule for the, the people that we deal with a lot of times. It's like, if you want to get to that level every day and it's, and, and that's where like, you just got to get shots on goal. We, We call it shots on goal just because. No one is going to remember your bad content, but the good content, it's going to hit a TikTok for you page. It's going to hit Instagram reels. It's going to hit retweets on Twitter, but you just got to put the stuff out there. And so that's that's where the, the shots on goal mentality is sort of paramount to, especially people trying to get into the media space.
0: Yeah, and I, I agree. If there was a New York Mets podcast that I was to listen to, I'd want it to come out either A, every day, so I could listen to it, yep. or... I would know it's on, hey, it's on Mondays because we can talk about the previous series and the next series and on Thursdays because we can talk about the previous series and the upcoming week, right? Like, yeah. that's super easy and like, if you could do that, I'm good. I, I can figure that out and like, that's kind of the best way to do it in terms of football, like, or um, I'm sorry, in terms of baseball. I guess like, we've gone through most of my questions now looking here down and we didn't get to talk about you being an athletic director for a year but I think we're kind of past <laughs> that unfortunately at this part. What, um I guess like, What's the problem that you guys are solving? I guess from the yep. listener standpoint and then from the, hey, let's help out some podcast standpoint.
1: Yeah. So that's that's something been interesting because we're and we, we've been approached sort of in the, the funding talks right now. And we tried to avoid it for a long time, but just there are people who we would call our competitors, Blue Wire, Locked On, Believe Sports. I mean, these are well-established networks with, I mean, some of them tens of millions of dollars of backing. Um, and and we thought we just metrics-wise, sort of reach-wise, we we were um, competing alongside those, but we've just reached a point where we can't do it without backing. We, and so we, we want the ability to scale up on the video production side of things and where the quote-unquote problem-solution thing as we were building out some of these uh, annoying decks and whatnot is like, there are a lot of podcasts right now with tons of host of issues. Like you have people like yourself where it's like, I just want to do this for fun. If I can pocket a little bit of money, that would be great. I get to talk to interesting people. I get to um, sort of remain part of the conversation. There are some people that sort of want the next step up, which is like, hey, you know what? It would be really nice if I paid for all my vacations with podcasting money. And like I can put an extra couple hundred bucks, a thousand bucks in my pocket by talking about my favorite local team. Um, That's something that I want to do. It allows me to remain relevant on Twitter. I get to shoot the shit during big moments and stuff like that. And then there's sort of that next step up, which is like I want to be or am a full time podcaster or I was a professional athlete professional in something else i want to move into a full time career in media and that's sort of that that next step up where the entire like we we deal with people from podcasts that get 50 downloads a month to podcasts that get 500,000 downloads a month and so we have um over the course of that like there's some people who need high level production help and they need concepting there are some people that need to figure out how to set up an rss feed and to press record on a microphone. And so like, as we've gotten bigger, we've fortunately been able to work with larger and and sort of more unique shows, which is nice. But still, even with those, some of them, sometimes their background is in video editing. So it would be more of a strain for us to end up, them sending us the file, us edit it, and send it back to them when they can just do it. Sometimes people need connections to advertisers. And so what we sort of have set up sort of on the podcasting side of things is this like local model, like a almost curated studio as a service type thing. So like we will solicit some people coming to us and pitching whether it's established podcasts or podcasts that they want to start um, sort of like this NIL one that, that I had previously discussed or um, they will be on the local side of things. And so that is sort of where they can come to us and we can sort of figure out, all right, where are your challenges and where can we sort of help? Where can we help grow your show? Is it gonna be guest booking, video production, social media management, where Where might it be? Um, and so it sort of started off as this very audio side of things and as we've grown and just really as the, the media landscape has shifted, um, it has become sort of more of this all-inclusive, um, like we had a Spotify green room, which is Spotify Live now, um partnership all of 2021 and the way that that functioned was we took some of our podcasts and we built them out into like a linear content schedule so there was like a sports drink four-hour block every day of content there and then we've been working with Colorcast, who is um is another live audio partner who's been great and so it started off with these non-linear podcasts and it is sort of developed and ballooned into this well, I, live stream capabilities I might need help with. We've helped plan, like we, we we're, there's a big New Orleans Saints podcast that we deal with that we are going to be running a all of the live event production for a live podcast that they're doing in September. And so um, there, we, we've helped sort of co-brand and host live tailgates sort of uh, around the country at some of these local, um, bigger local podcasts that we deal with. And so it's really, from the podcaster side, um approaching as much sort of as a studio as a service where we will and so the basically where we make our money is um someone will come with us we'll sign with them and then the ads that we are able to place on top of their shows we revenue share and so that is where they're able to make their money it's able to be worth it for us to go and hire video producers and audio producers to sort of help out and logistics planners to help out on their end Um, and then for the consumer side of things. We want to exist somewhere in between like we've we found that it seems to be like there is not a ton. And this is where we thought ESPN did a really good job, but I don't think that they had the business model set up of there is the athletic and your news journalism. And then there sort of seems to be barstool and. I feel like there are a lot of people that exist in the middle of that, where it's like, just personally, I don't consume a lot of barstool content. Um, I I have a ton of friends who do, a lot of people we work with do. Um, It's just not my personal cup of tea, but it also feels like, like I was saying earlier, the traditional media world isn't necessarily, like I don't necessarily just want to read gamers and recaps and stuff. And so there is a little bit of that, like, I want someone to do the research into how the New Orleans Pelicans like draft prospects are really, really going to stack up. But I also don't really care about someone saying who we think that they should pick and like where that that might exist. And so I think that that's where we go back to whether you want to call it um, objective um, or objective passion or sort of subjective whatnot. Um, I think that that's sort of where we try to exist from an audience perspective.
0: Informative subjectivity is that that what you said
1: yeah informed subjectivity or objective passion one of those two is trying to trying to brand that
0: i love both of them and i think that's it's a nice place to be right like yeah i listen to barstool to laugh not to actually like get any real information out of it and i listen to zach Lowe for the information but sometimes i'm like man give me a little something else like come on just give me just give me something i don't know what that is but it's something um so I think it's a cool place that you do have the opportunity to live and expand and, and continue to move forward. And yeah, I think that's that's a that's a nice place to be. That's a, it's a great place to be on the, on the consumer side. And I think it's really interesting on the podcast side, right? As you said, there's so many fr- – the free agency, the independent people that are mm-hmm. really just looking – they just need a little bit of help or a nudge in the right direction, right? And you don't have to spend – time, effort, energy, and money on them. But hey, throw their logo up on a page. It doesn't hurt anybody at that point, right? Exactly. So I, think, I think that there's a lot of opportunity there. So, Andrew, I think you guys are doing some pretty cool stuff. Um, where can we find more information about some of the podcasts that you guys have? Uh, just give me, like, the websites, the socials, yeah. we do all that stuff.
1: Um, so, the uh, sportsdrink.com was, that cost $35,000 a year to run. So, we are sportsdrink.org. Um, yes, we are. Uh, we, we have not gotten the SEO game not up. Dot
0: .net? Not, not, net, not like
1: network well we 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 wanted to get away from the network branding type okay. stuff um and we thought it would we, we would the original conceit was like sports would be funny to have but it's like obviously we funny. can't get we can't get a government entity and so sports drink.org we were like maybe we'll uh, confuse some people thinking that we're like a non-profit or somebody that does something good um
0: but do something great the, you're
1: right uh, all the all the socials um instagram twitter twitter is where uh, we're, we're biggest on in terms of like, we, we are in like, we will interact with people, do prompts and stuff, like actually try. And that that is where I think our biggest community building side of things is. Um, but they're all sports at sports drink, but no vowels. And so there's no O in sports and no I in drink, if that makes sense. So sports yes. drink,
0: I love that. Yeah. <laughs> drink uh, on all the socials. Yeah. Make sure you go check them out. I'll put everything in the show notes just in case, that conversation about nets and govs and orgs got everyone a little confused. I'll put everything in the <laughs> yeah, show. I appreciate there, it. Andrew, this has been awesome. Where? Can, how do people reach out to you? What, where yeah. can they go to be like, hey, Andrew, I have this cool-ass podcast. I'd love to get on your network.
1: Yeah, so um, at StevensAndrew, S-T-E-P-H, um, on Instagram and on Twitter, DM or Andrew at sportsdrink.org. Um, again, I'm, I'm always listening for pitches, always listening to, I mean, you and I got connected just very randomly. And I mean, this is this has been super, super fun. And so anybody, if you're in the sports media industry, just want to chat, interested in sort of picking my brain, I'll pick your brain about progression of what this media industry sort of looks like. Um, it's definitely in flux right now. Um, and and I think that that's where it's a cool place to be just because it, it's, it's all an attention battle right now. And you see people they're not on cable anymore. People are on, I mean, we sat in my house last night and we pulled up and airplayed my girlfriend's TikTok onto the TV for maybe an hour with me and my friends. And so it's like, that's a TV show now. Like that's commanding people's attention as opposed to an hour of Netflix. And so it's just, it's very interesting to see where the progression of, of the media world is. And I I think we sit in an interesting part of it.
0: Yeah. When it's in flux, that means there's, there's things to take advantage of. And it sounds like you guys are doing just that. So I think it's awesome. One more time. Andrew Stevens, He's the founder and director over at Sports Sportsdrink, sportsdrink, drink, uh, sports sportsdrink.org. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll have everything in the show notes again. Andrew, I really appreciate you and your time. I appreciate everyone's time listening. Time is the only thing we don't get more of. So thanks for giving me a, a solid hour of yours. So thank you for that. But yeah, make sure to go follow everybody. Um, check it out. Appreciate everyone's time. Bye, everyone.
1: Absolutely. Thanks so much, Michael.